This Month of Womanica is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a hub for conversation about what it means to be professional today and what the future of work might look like. LinkedIn members are discussing the changing landscape of when, how, and where we work, and what it looks like when we need to take time away to focus on family or mental health. These days, more of us are feeling comfortable showing up to work as our full selves and encouraging others to do the same. Our needs should not stunt career development and growth. Instead, the workplace will improve as employees show up authentically on their own terms. Post your truth. Show the world the authentic professional you. And join the conversations redefining professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Welcome professionals. Hey listeners, it's Jenny with another podcast I think you'll love. TED Talks Daily. Every weekday, you'll hear new ideas on every topic imaginable, from artificial intelligence to how the war in Ukraine can change everything. One episode in particular that I thought you'd really like is the recent talk from creator, comedian, and actress Lily Singh. Lily gets into how women and girls are conditioned to believe success is a seat at the table, when really, we should build a better table. She's hilarious and not only shares intimate experiences from her career, but also offers ways we can build a more inclusive society where girls are encouraged and empowered to do great things. Stick around to hear part of her talk or head over to TED Talks Daily from the TED Audio Collective, wherever you listen. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're talking about innovators, women who helped shape the world we live in today. During a time in which the most notable inventors were called upon to fix the issues of railway noise and pollution, today's innovator was the only one able to provide a solution. Please welcome Mary Elizabeth Walton. Because of the disregard for women's contributions to society in the 1800s, little's known about Mary Walton's life outside of her inventions. We do know that Mary was raised in a household of strong women. In an 1884 issue of the Lexington, Kentucky Weekly Transcript, Mary said, My father had no sons and believed in educating his daughters. He spared no pains or expense to this end. In 1870, the Second Industrial Revolution brought great economic and financial success to the U.S., but it also brought the enduring issue of pollution. With the invention of mass production machines and the implementation of the factory system, there was an influx of workers into major cities. These workers often commuted on new, elevated trains, which were incredibly noisy and released toxic fumes into the air. Many inventors tried to stifle the noise of the train tracks. Thomas Edison, for example, spent six unsuccessful months attempting to remedy the problem. But Mary was personally invested in solving this issue. She owned a boarding house in New York City that neighbored the newly built Gilbert Elevated Railway. Unable to ignore the din of the railway and the smoke that left soot everywhere, she had to do something. Her first order of business was disrupting the flow of the railway fumes. Mary designed an apparatus that diverted noxious smoke from its point of release into water tanks. The tanks then held and dissolved the pollutants before discharging the residue into the city's sewage system. Mary received her first patent for this invention on November 18, 1879. 
Her invention was used to eliminate airborne pollution from locomotives, factories, and residential chimneys. Mary wasted no time getting started on her next project. She rode the elevated rails for three days to get familiar with the system. She listened intently to what could be the cause of the uproar. After three days of careful inspection, Mary realized that the bare wooden supports that the tracks ran through actually heightened the noise. Upon this realization, Mary transformed her basement into a staging ground for a mini-model railroad. With this model, she could test out various noise reduction methods. Mary was savvy. She used logic and the resources at her disposal to problem-solve. She ultimately discovered the key to a solution. Sand. She built a wooden box-like structure for the rails to run through, and then lined the box with cotton and filled it with sand. The combination of the sand and cotton eliminated the vibration of the rails against the tracks and deadened the sound. After Mary presented her idea, the city built a full-sized version of her box system to test on the elevated train. It was a great success, and on February 8, 1881, Mary received her second patent. She sold the rights to her invention to New York City's Metropolitan Railroad for $10,000. Its success was widespread, as other elevated railway companies adopted the environmentally friendly system, inevitably changing train technology forever. Mary's anti-noise pollution system solidified her as a STEM hero, feminist icon, and role model. Twenty years later, the Woman's Journal affirmed this with the statement, The most noticed machinists and inventors of the century had given their attention to the subject, without being able to provide a solution. When, lo, a woman's brain did the work. At a time when women were undervalued and praised for being submissive, Mary distinguished herself as innovative and strong-minded. When her son recommended she name her invention after him, she responded, Make your own inventions and have your name put to them. For more information and for pictures of some of the work we're talking about, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. You see, my goal was always a seat at the table. It's what women are conditioned to believe success is. And when the chair doesn't fit, when it doesn't reach the table, when it's wobbly, when it's full of splinters, we don't have the luxury of fixing it or finding another one. But we try anyways. We take on that responsibility and we shoulder that burden. Now, I've been fortunate enough to sit at a few seats at a few different tables, and what I've learned is when you get the seat, trying to fix the seat won't fix the problem. Why? Because the table was never built for us in the first place. The solution? Build better tables. Allow me to be your very own IKEA manual. I would like to present to you a set of guidelines I very eloquently call how to build a table that doesn't suck. I've been told I'm very literal. (laughs) Now, right off the bat, let me tell you, this assembly is going to take more than one person or group of people. It's going to take everyone. Are you ready? Should we dive in? Let's do it. Up first, don't weaponize gratitude. Now, don't get me wrong, gratitude is a great word. It's nice, 
It's fluffy, a solid 11 points in Scrabble. Okay. However, let's be clear. Although gratitude feels warm and fuzzy, it's not a form of currency. Women are assigned 10% more work and spend more time on unrewarded, unrecognized, and non-promotable tasks. Basically, what this means is all the things men don't want to do are being handed to women, and a lot of those things largely include things that advance inclusivity, equity, and diversity in the workplace. So hear me when I say, a woman shouldn't be grateful to sit at a table. She should be paid to sit at a table, especially ones she largely helped build. And a woman's seat shouldn't be threatened if she doesn't seem grateful enough. In other words, corporations, this step involves a woman doing a job and being paid in money, opportunity, and promotion, not just gratitude. And women, yeah, go ahead, live it up, do your, do your, live your life. And women, a moment of real talk. Trust me, I've been there, and I know it is so tough. But we have to understand and remember that being grateful and being treated fairly are not mutually exclusive. I can be grateful but still know exactly what I deserve, and that's the way to do it.